This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I think we've already been prepared for the Lord's Supper. That was a wonderful hymn. Isn't that great about the cross has a wondrous attraction to me? Marvelous to think of that. Let's pray. Father, we do, Lord, uh, look to you now and pray that you would, Father, teach us through your word, through the experiences of Daniel, in Jesus' name, amen. If you turn, please, in your Bible to Daniel chapter 5, I'm going to uh, continue to see. It's a chapter which you might think of as, a, as judgment, which it was, but it's really a chapter that shows wondrous grace. And I'm going to read this chapter, starting at verse 18, not going to read it all, just going to hit some salient points here, verse 18, verse 18, Daniel 5, 18, O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, majesty, glory, and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages, trembled, feared before him, whom he would, he slew, whom he would keep alive, whom he whom he would set up, whom he would put down. But when his heart was lifted up, his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne. They took his glory from him. He was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast. His dwelling was like the wild asses. They fed him with the grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled in heaven of men and he appointed over it who he will. Thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before thee. Thou and thy lords, thy wives, thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver, gold, brass, iron, wood, stone, see not here. And the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are thy ways hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and as the writing was written, and this is the writing that was written, many, many tekel upharbsen. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. 
Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances, art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided, given to the Medes and Persians. Then command, let me jump down now to verse 30. Then in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. You know, this chapter is interesting because it's really all about just one night. So much has passed here. Decades have gone forward in this book. But in this one night, God has decided to park. He's parked himself. And really, it's a record of what happened in a relatively few hours of the night. And this was a night that started off with great anticipation as the sun was going down. There was the anticipation of the great party that the king had put on. A thousand of his lords would arrive, and uh, he had abundance of food. They weren't disappointed. And then this party was uh, really a defiance to the, to the threat of the armies of the Medes and Persians that had parked themselves outside the city of Babylon. And they were poised to attack and to, to enter into it. But the big party was going on, and the king was determined that this was not just going to be a, a dull party, but this was going to be a, a party that increased in intensity. And so in verse 1 of this chapter, it says that the king drank wine before the thousand. And there was a rage going in inside the king. The king was determined that the party would be one that they would never forget. And they certainly will never forget this party, nor have we, because it's written here. But the madness just didn't stop with the food. Then it went on to the wine, and the wine was flowing, and it was drizzling down the gullet of the king's throat. And in that time, he wasn't satisfied. And so he commanded at that point, bring in the vessels, bring in the vessels, from that were stolen out of God's house. And then he, he said, uh, put the wine in it. I want to see my wives, my concubines, drink wine out of this. And then as it went on, then they began to praise the idols. And then it became very obvious who the real host of this party was. It wasn't the king. It was Satan himself. And then in the height of this madness, fingers appeared. Fingers appeared on the most well-lit part of the wall. And that frightened the king as the writing went forward there. And it was so frightening to the king that his mother came in. She's called the queen. It's the queen mother. She comes in and she says to him in verse 18 that uh, the most high God gave your father, really it's your grandfather, gave your grandfather a kingdom, majesty, glory, and honor. And as she says this, she goes on to say there's a man who can help you. And that's Daniel, and so Daniel comes in. He's trying to get the king on this road to recovery. And on the road to recovery, he, he wants the king really to say two words. And these are the very important words for us also. It's so hard for people to say the two words to God, thank you, thank you. Even it's hard for them to bring themselves to say for the food that's set before them, the food that they have, thank you, God. But this is the first roads of recovery here. As Daniel takes this step when he when it says, the most high God gave. That was, I'm sorry, I said that was the queen mother who said that. That was Daniel. Daniel said, the most high God gave. The most high God gave this to me. Last week I was talking with a friend of mine and he was talking about his wife and his friend, our mutual friend's wife. And he says, we lucked out in getting good wives. That's the way he put it. And, and, and he looked at me and I said, well, I don't have an Irish God. And the first road to recovery for a person who's far from God is just to say these words in verse 18. The Most High God gave. The Most High God gave me a great family. 
The Most High God gave me a good job. Jim is talking about his kids having children. The Most High God gave me grandchildren. The Most High God gave me a place to live in, a comfortable home, a good car to drive, a food to eat, good food to eat, a good health, a good doctor to take care of me when I don't have good health. That's the first road to recovery. And so Daniel is, is helping the king by saying, this is where you have to go. It's completely looking at, at life like James said in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. What a beautiful picture. Cometh down from above. It's from above and cometh down. It makes us think of the gift, the gift from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. There's a great name, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, that means the gift from God, the gift of God. We should look at everything in, in our lives and say, that's a Nathaniel, and that's a Nathaniel, that's a gift from God, that's a gift from God. It's all coming down, and we think of that, of it coming down. Beautiful picture we have in the Bible of coming down is the manna. The manna that fell from the sky on the children of Israel when they were in the desert there. As it says in Psalm 78, 24, Psalm 78, 24, God rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. Imagine that. And, and just imagine the people as they were in the desert there and they're going out and they're, they're looking up to the sky waiting for their food and the sky just turns white like snow and this bread falls down. And imagine one of the people just say, see that manna there? That manna falling down from the sky? Why, you know what that is? That's every good gift and every perfect gift from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And the other beautiful picture we have of this coming down, the gift from the Father above, is provided for us in the history between Boaz and Ruth. Boaz knew that Ruth was going to be in the fields taking up what the harvesters dropped when they were harvesting. And so Boaz wanted to, for Ruth to be able to, to collect a good amount of food. So Boaz gives this commandment to his harvesters in Ruth 2.16. Ruth 2.16, Boaz says, let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And that's what the harvesters did. They did just that. We could picture that, the picture of the harvesters, and they're saying to themselves, okay, Ruth is behind you right now. And that harvester said, yes, Ruth is behind me right now. So you drop an extra handful to her. And we see those harvesters taking this handful in their hand and say, this is for Ruth. And they drop it down strategically in a place where she's going to find it. And when she finds it, she says, oh, this is great. Just look at this big handful of food that I found on the ground here. And Ruth didn't say, I lucked out. She, she said, thank God. Thank God for this. And the amazing thing about that is Ruth had no idea that there was a Boaz behind all of that, who had orchestrated that, who had commanded these handfuls of food to purposely drop for them to find, for her to find it. And that's the Daniel 5.18 lesson. Daniel 5.18, the Most High God gave the heavenly Boaz. He sees where a person like Ruth is going to be gathering. And the Most High God commands, as Boaz did, gifts 
to be found by that person. That's the first road to recovery from a person far from God. It's the most high God gave. And this is what Daniel's doing with King Belshazzar. He's helping him to, to get on the right road when he says this to him. And then he goes on. He goes on in verse 18 and he, and he talks about Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, thy grandfather. And when he does that, he brings to Belshazzar's mind the memories, the history of his grandfather. He had a grandfather named Nebuchadnezzar. Bel, this was Belshazzar's grandfather. A grandfather who knew a grandfather who took him up on his knee, we can imagine, and telling him firsthand what happened to him when the Most High God humbled him. A grandfather who told his grandson, Belshazzar, the most important lessons that he learned in life. As he put him on his knee, he said to his grandson in Daniel 2.47, Daniel 2.47, he said, you know what I've learned? I've learned of a truth that God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. This was his grandfather. And this grandfather, we can picture him putting a little Belshazzar on his knee and saying to him the words of Daniel 4.34. Daniel 4.34, when he would look at him, he'd say, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his own will. And he would go on, and he would explain to him how he was humbled by him. And then he would cap it all off by saying in, in Daniel 4.37, Daniel 4.37, I did this. He would tell his, his grandson, I did this, I told the world, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and all his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. So it's this link that Daniel is, is really drawing on between Belshazzar and his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel is emphasizing this to Belshazzar in verse 18 when he says, Nebuchadnezzar, thy father. He calls him thy father, thy grandfather. He is making the strong statement to Belshazzar that Nebuchadnezzar represented to Belshazzar light. Nebuchadnezzar was light to Belshazzar. The light of a person who had been converted from the darkness of Babylonian idolatry to the light of the only true God of Israel. And Daniel is now going to read an indictment. This chapter is an indictment against Belshazzar. And he's going to, to arraign Belshazzar when he tells him what he already knew in verse 20. He said to him, when his heart was lifted up and his mind was hardened in pride, he was deposed of his kindling throne and his glory was taken from him. Verse 22, verse 22, again, pressing on this point of his relation to him. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. Though thou knewest all this. And he goes on and he explained it to him that he lifted up, Belshazzar lifted up himself against the God of heaven and brought in these stolen vessels from God. But he says he says to him, I want you to know one thing at the end of verse 23. 
I want you to know one thing. I want you to think about one thing. We should think about this also today. And that is God in whose hand thy breath is. God in whose hand thy breath is. The worst thing that he ever said, that Daniel ever said to Belshazzar was thou his son, verse 22. Thou his son, O Belshazzar. You have not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. And he's telling him that, that you had light. And he's driving the point that though thou knewest all this, you knew this. Everything I'm telling you right now, Daniel was saying to Belshazzar, you know this. You already know this. And this shows us, because the judgment is coming, this shows us that a person is responsible for what they know. The Lord Jesus said, when he's talking to the people in John 15, 22, John 15, 22, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. He was speaking of his coming. He was speaking of how he has spoken to them. And he said, if he hadn't come, if he hadn't come, if he hadn't spoken, they had not sinned. He's not referring to original sin. No, of course not. He's referring to the sin. If I had not come and spoken to you, you would not have had the sin. There is one sin that Belshazzar was guilty of. He knew all this with Nebuchadnezzar. There is one sin that overrides all other sins, and that is the one sin that will send a person into hell to suffer for eternity. That is the unforgivable sin. And the unforgivable sin is the sin of rejecting Rejecting the Savior who calls out to man with the gospel, the gospel invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's the sin of refusing to come to the Lord Jesus. The invitation of Isaiah 45, 22. Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God, there's none else. That's the singular sin, the sin of refusing to look to the Lamb of God and be saved from sins. Proverbs 1.23, Proverbs 1.23, Turn ye at my reproof. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. That's the one singular sin. That's the worst sin that a person can commit. It's the sin of refusing to turn. This is what the Lord Jesus was referring to when he said, if I had not come and spoken unto him, they had not sinned. They had not the sin, the sin of rejection, the sin of refusing to come, the sin of refusing to look, the sin of refusing to turn to the Lord Jesus. And because he said in his invitations, God has put out the invitation, come, look, turn, and they refused, that's the worst sin. And the person who is making these invitations to come, to look, to turn, that's the Lord Jesus. It is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, called the Comforter, in John 16, 7. John 16, 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comfort will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Sin, because they believe not on me. Righteousness, because I go to my Father, you see me no more. Judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit 
is the one who is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, judgment, so that the world can be saved. The Holy Spirit is inviting. He is the one who is inviting to come, look, turn. And when a person refuses that invitation and rejects that invitation to come, look, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're sinning against the Holy Spirit. That's the unforgivable sin. That's the sin for which there's no remedy. And the problem for Belshazzar is that he knew all this and he didn't turn to the true God that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar did. For Belshazzar, his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar was light, just as the Lord Jesus is the ultimate light. And just as rejecting the light, refusing to come, turn, and be saved from the light is what he talked about in John 3.19. John 3.19, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Light is come into Babylon in the form of Nebuchadnezzar who repented and made his proclamations. But men love darkness rather than light. Belshazzar loved darkness rather than light. He loved idolatry rather than light. And because their deeds are evil, because the proof was that he called for the vessels of God to be brought in and wine put in and, and so forth. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. It's not simply a case of Belshazzar just not caring about the proclamation of the grandfather, that God of Israel, the Jehovah Jesus, that Jehovah Jesus was the most high God that towered over everything. Belshazzar hated the God of Israel. Belshazzar had Nebuchadnezzar in his family. That was his light that shined the way to God for him. Reminds me of a Japanese friend of mine in Yokohama and how he resisted the gospel. And he kept telling me, Christianity is a Western religion. We are Japanese. But later, I learned that in his family, he had an uncle who became a Christian. He had an uncle who became a believer in the Lord Jesus. Just as Nebuchadnezzar was a light in Belshazzar's family, my Japanese friend had his uncle that was a light in his family. And for Belshazzar to come and, and look and turn to God, he would have had to turn his back on his sin, turn his back on the idolatry. But he wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to hate his sin and love the only true God. He wasn't willing to humble himself. For him, that price was too high for him to pay. He just wasn't willing. And we wonder why people today don't come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very simple as it says. It's because they love sin. They love sin. They want to keep it a secret. They want to have it exposed. Now, we don't know very much about judgment and hell, and that's a good thing. We, we shouldn't. But one thing we do know is what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. Matthew eleven twenty three, 23, when the Lord Jesus said about Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, you'll be brought down to hell. The mighty works that had been done in you, that had been done in Sodom, Sodom would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. We think of Sodom with its sexual perversion sins, and we think, 
Oh, they're going to have the worst judgment of all. But the Lord Jesus says no. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.